Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to a new edition of Kicks. We have one of the kings of New York basketball pulling up today. The best kept secret, Kareem Reed. What's up, K? How you doing, man? What's going on? What's going on, man? I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Man, um, how's Arkansas treating you? Because it must be a culture shock, like coming from New York to to um to going out to Arkansas. Uh not actually. I'm used to it now. I mean, I guess I came here when I was 18 years old, like uh two days after my two days after my high school graduation. So I've been I've been here in the state since 1995, so I needed this place at you know the the slow pace and stuff like that. I needed that when I was coming out of high school, and then of course when I finished playing professional basketball for 15, 16 years, I wanted somewhere where I could settle down and uh you know enjoy my life after basketball. So it was a, it was just perfect for me to come back here. And so you got out of um, the Bronx with 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 the quickness back then. Yes, yes. I mean, I had tons of school. I just had to get out. I had to get out of there. Just, yeah. you know, to, to focus on my career. And basically, if I wanted to fulfill my dream, I needed that to get away from there. Facts, man. I feel that. So um, can you talk about, like, what what was it like growing up in the Bronx? And it was, it was, I guess, you know, for me, it was probably the best time of my life, you know, with... You know, a young kid growing up in the South Bronx where, you know, music music and rap was everything. You know, I grew up in that area where, you know, the rappers and everything was around. So I always got to see the rappers and the guys and the, I guess the DJs and things like that in the park. The culture in the Bronx, you know, was just amazing where I got, you know, I got a chance to see two different parts of the Bronx. You know, I come from, you know, 179th from Burnside, but I went to school you know, junior high school up in Riverdale, you know, so I guess that wasn't a culture shock for me coming to Arkansas, you know, play the, it played its, its, its part, you know, in seventh grade, I got to go in Riverdale and like you said, deal with the, the, the different cultures and stuff like that. And then of course, going to St. Nicholas of Talent Time for my ninth grade year and then going to St. Raymond's in the Bronx or boys school, you know, it prepared me, I guess, for the culture shock. So just being around, you know, different people. Um. So when did you know, like, when basketball was your official calling? Like, when did you have that, like, that moment that you knew? I guess uh, 
you know, losing my best friend and I supposed to been with him. And I guess basketball, I had a basketball game that day. And I, and, you know, I guess that's the day when I, I guess I, it turned my wheels for me, you know, cause I could have been with my, you know, my God, I got, you know, I killed that, that day. But instead of that, I went to a basketball tournament. So I just felt like that was it, you know, that was put right in my face. You know, you hear people say, man, you can go this way and go that way. I really experienced at a young age that, you know, it's two sides, it's two sides of the street, you know, or you can go left, you can go right. So your friend's passing in a way kind of saved your life. Would you say yes. that? Yeah, saved my life because, you know, I think it's cool, you know, people are, you know, getting money how they want to get money or whatever, you know, the, the fast cars, the fast life, the drugs and stuff like that. And I thought that was everything growing up in my neighborhood. And, you know, just to see, like, once again, see my friend or hear that my friend got killed. I wasn't actually there, but to hear, you know, to hear that my friend got killed. And it was just, it was, it was mind boggling. And I was like, okay, let's, let's make something out of this. All right. So like, since you're a guy, like you came up, on dudes like Kenny Anderson and um, like what type of impact did um, he have on you like as a player and as a person? Yeah. He had every impact on me. You know, that was my that was my idol. You know, people had Magic Johnson and you know, I, well, I got, you know, let, me, let me start off, I had Magic Johnson or whatever, you know, was my, you know, my role model. And then it passed from Magic Johnson to Kenny Anderson, you know, growing up. And I guess that's where I got the Kareem Kareem name from. You know, I was going to be named something else. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And I guess my first baby picture was in the, with a basketball and, a, and, a, and with a Sports Illustrated in my lap. So I was, I was, guess I was bound to play basketball. But, you know, getting to relate to somebody, you know, that was similar, you know, left hand and, you know, I'm not saying similar, but at that age, left hand and, and quick and, and, you know, and was very crafty with the ball, you know, being mentioned or people telling me I need to look at Kenny Anderson. I just fell in love with his game and everything around him. You know, like, in my opinion, I still think Kenny is like one of the best guards to ever come out of New York, like 30 years later. Like, I don't think there's anybody. No, no, that no, has come I, to no, I, you you know, nobody, you know, and that's what, you know, people didn't get a chance to see him, but, you know, he was, you know, I can't say, you know, I didn't get to see, the, you know, the guards before him like that or whatever, but I got to experience Kenny and the buzz he had, the, the charisma, I remember, you know, it was like, you know, when you think about Magic Johnson, everybody talk about Magic Johnson's smile. That was the same thing with Kenny Anderson. Kenny Anderson's smile lit up the lit up the room. How about um, Malik Seeley? Did he ever have an impact on you? Because I know he's from the Bronx too. Yes, yes. I mean, of course, you know, growing up in the Bronx and, you know, him growing up right there, you know, right on the other side of the Grand Concourse and hearing, you know, hearing them or, you know, me making my name for basketball, me walking into the gym at Riverside Church or going to basketball games and uh, Roberto Clemente State Park. And I'm saying, yo, that's Malik Seeley. That's Malik Seeley, you know, from the Bronx or whatever, him representing the Bronx. And, you know, me wanting to go see them play the older guys or whatever and going to Echo Park and, you know, watching them play. And then, of course, you know, getting a chance to see him play. Actually, you know, I got to see them play against Archbishop Malloy against Valentine in the championship. So I got to see Malik, Malik play Kenny Anderson. So it was just like that. Malik was, you know, somewhere I could touch. You know, he's right there in the Bronx or whatever. And it just, you know, 
kids from the same neighborhood or guys from the same neighborhood, you know, always wanted each other to do good. Like, um, so Kenny, so Archbishop played against um, Malik's, Malik Seeley's Tyler team. Tyler. Like, Tyler Town against Malloy. Did the people of like the time know like the enormity of the game? Because that's like I, a legit metric. Yeah, I guess it was good. Yeah, they did. It was on TV before high school games were on TV. That was one of the TV games that was televised that, you know, that, you know, now you're getting the LeBrons and, you know, you get, you know, a couple of years ago you was getting LeBron on TV as a high school kid or whatever, but, you know, and getting natural attention. But now, you know, now the kids are getting natural attention. But that St. Nicholas of Talenton against Archbishop Lloyd got all the media coverage. You know, they had, they, you got to remember, they had, uh, Yes, Kenny had Robert Wardan. He had, you know, two pros with him. Uh, Malik had Adrian Autry, Brian Reese. He had a, a great team also, you know. So these guys were just not those two in the game. There was some underclassmen that was in the game that was getting notoriety too. So that was like one of the games where you had to be there if you was a basketball player. So like, um, what made you pick like St. Raymond's over other schools that was kind of like pursuing you at that time? I guess, you know, uh, it was it was different for me, you know, going from, you know, watching, hearing about St. Raymond and all these, you know, just Catholic school period, me coming from, you know, the Bronx and where I came from, you know, we're not, we're not Catholic school kids, you know, or stuff like that. But at that time, you know, some of the best basketball players, you know, the CHSA was the best division in New York and maybe, you know, hands down in the country, you know, and, you know, just me following the, you know, following following what, you know, the guys were doing. If you say you was good, you, you had to play in that Catholic school league, you know? So growing up and living a couple of blocks away from St. Nick's to Talentine, I went to Talentine first. So that's a story of his own. You know, I went to Talentine in ninth grade. Uh, we won the JV championship. I guess we were like 20, 35 or, 35 and one or something like that. And after the game, I sat back in the crowd and watched uh, Bishop Lachlan against St. Raymond's when Terrence Rancher and, and Lando Antigua, all those guys were there. And uh, just to see, you know, the guys at St. Raymond's, you know, riding the train with them or being, you know, them, you know, we playing in certain tournaments, seeing their gear, you know, their gear and, you know, that was the next school, you know, it was St. Nicholas Talentine and St. Raymond. You know, schools were getting people uh, Division One scholarships, but we look at the, that tradition of St. Nicholas Talentine, it was North Carolina, it was Syracuse, it was Alabama, you know, so I wanted to go to a, another school, you know, no no disrespect to any other private schools, Catholic schools or whatever, but St. Raymond's was next in line. You know, I'm seeing Terrence Trencher go, I'm seeing uh, uh, Orlando and T will go to college. You know, I'm seeing Eddie Rivera. They talking about the Dyer Reeds, a great basketball player. So I wanted to go to a rich school because I knew a rich basketball school, may I say, you know, that I wanted, you know, that's where, I, you know, as the kids say, hey, I wanted that smoke. So I had to be, you know, wherever it was going at, I wanted to be there. So that was, you know, that was one of my you know, decisions. But I, I was a crossroad in my life. I didn't know where I was going to go. You know, big shout outs to Gary DeCesar. You know, when a school, St. Nick's Talentine closed, it was like 30 basketball players in a, in a city that didn't have no schools. So we was all scattered. And, you know, Gary DeCesar, I, I, I was blessed that Gary DeCesar said all he wanted was Kareem Reed. 
and the rest was history. You know, he put me in a, a predicament to display my talents, you know, become a high school All-American, get a scholarship to, you know, the University of Arkansas. So, you know, you know, I have to give big shout outs to, you know, of course, talent time, but of course, you know, Gary DeCesar and the same Ramos family. You know, you won the, um, the state title as a junior and then um, as a senior, you guys were the, the runner-ups. Like, you talk about, like, the magic that you guys had those um those two years of your high school career was that like the best time of your yes, basketball? I mean, yes, it just felt like I was on top, and you know, I go go to talent time, like I said before, and uh, win a win a JV championship. Uh, then my sophomore year, they had just you know I tra transferred to St. Raymond's or went to St. Raymond's, not transfer, uh, went to St. Raymond's, and we was the favorites again because remember they just won it the year before I got there. So it was crazy, just you know, and uh, wound up losing in the in the uh, I guess the final four or the final eight. We lost my sophomore year, so I had a chip on my shoulder coming back my junior year and uh, winning it. You know, so we went all the way and won it my junior year, and of course won the repeat. You know, no, not too many people repeated. You know, city championships. So I wanted to do that. So you know, us getting back to the championship and of course losing to my fellow, you know, my fellow friend and, and one of my top guys, Felipe Lopez and Melvin McKee and, you know, Rob Johnson and that whole crew to Rice, it was heartbreaking, you know, not being able to repeat. You know, um, the championship game in 94, like, can you talk about, like, how, like, the atmosphere for that game? Because that game was crazy. At no, four, it was, cause... Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I guess that was the, that was the trilogy, you know, of, you know, the, the sending off of Kareem Reed and Felipe Lopez, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, Frazier Ali, you know, any any good basketball, any any good two basketball players or any two battlers, that was the end of our, our high school careers. And just, I think it was a snowy day and that game was sold out at Florida University. If you tell, you know, if you see it, all our games were sold out. We had to move, you know, we, we, we moved. We went from Gacho Gym to, Iona College to, to to Fordham University, you know we had the city on buzz. It was you we, we were packing, we were packing. You know it was only us us the Knicks, you know the Knicks, St. Ray's and, and Rice having crowds like that at that time. You know where schools wasn't having that crowd, where you know extra security was beefed up. Hottest ticket, like you know we started selling tickets. So we just imagine it was social media before that. You know you had to buy tickets to these games. You know, a high school game where up front, you know, you know, now in the COVID situation, all it's different, but you know, we we packing the house, you know, we we're putting more people in the stands than Iona College. We're packing, you know, we putting more fans in than than Fordham University. So that's you know, the the mysterious by that where, you know, it costs money to get in these universities or to these places, these these venues. And we was packing this we was packing these venues as high school. You know that that's crazy that a high school team could you know outsell like a college team in their own gym at that. In their own gym. Yeah, that's that's wild, man. So like, um, you played in like in the golden era of New York City basketball. Like it was yourself, Felipe Lopez. You know, Stephen Brooklyn. Yeah, Sham Uptown, Skip and Ron in Queens. Like I can go on and on. Like, mm -hmm. like he talk about like how this how that era of basketball was competitive. And do you feel like that um, 
that it was the golden age? Oh yes, of course, man. You just name you name some names. Look at the names you name. Like you can put those, you can put those names at anybody dinner table and with a, a, a dinner card or reservation, and people recognize those names and, and remember stories and remember games that they played in against or they saw with those names. But you know, names that you know that goes under the ta- under the radar was so crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, New York at that at time. You had to bring your, you had to bring your, you know, your backpack, your lunchbox, your, 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 your hard hat every day, and wherever you played. It could have been just, you know, your, your, your Joe Smo guy in your neighborhood, you know, and that's what it was. It was, you know, bring your game, not your name. You know what I'm saying? That's what it was back then. You know, every day, every game, every, you know, like I said, you can play full course in your neighborhood, and some of these guys were, you know, tougher than, you know, some of these other guys that you're going to play against, or vice versa, you're going to get played. You know, I remember playing one day against that farm, you know, three hours later playing against Shamgar, four hours later against player Rafer. You know, that's all in one day. Like, come on. You know, you know, um, things like... you know I was watching the Golden Hoop Classic game on YouTube the other day. Like, it was so mm-hmm. much talent on that court. Like, what do you remember about that game? I mean, that game was, once again, with one of my fellow fellow friends I call fellow my my brother my family where you know we had a we had a rocky road summer it wasn't a rocky road summer it's just like he was getting all, all the accolades and and you know I wanted them you know I was a senior and I wanted all the accolades well some of the accolades you know I was like oh he's gonna have his time yet you know and that was me coming out of my shell you know you you know you heard about Felipe all the time you heard about Steph you've been hearing about these guys you know no disrespect, you was handling guys, you know, and then so Felipe came over, you know, you know, so for five years, four years, I'm winning all these tournaments, I'm doing all this, but I'm not, you know, being not uh, mentioned as a, a high school All-American, I'm honorable mention, I'm this, you know, but I'm getting all these awards. And that summer was, if people remember, I just had got 15 MVPs that summer. So that was like the close of my, my summer. And for me to go against him, you know, it was just like tunnel vision. It was like me against Steph on that game. I didn't care about nobody. Like, you know, I know it's a story out there that me and Eric Harris had got into him. We got into an argument before the game. You know, he, he was my backcourt teammate at, at St. Raymond's, but he played with the Gauchos. And we just happened to meet up in the bathroom. And he was like, yo, man, they put me on you tonight. And I told him, yo, you, 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 you got, this is personal, man. You got me. We ain't gonna be friends no more. You know what I'm saying? Just imagine we gotta go back. We had to go back to school that year. You know what I'm saying? To play on the same team. You know, so I'm like, no, it was personal. You know, for me to, you know, to go against Stephon and that that crew. You know, was, you know because that was my best, my knife in the ground. Like saying, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? In front of everybody. You know, you can't. Once again, if you see that crowd, there's about eighteen thousand there. You know, Brooklyn, wow. Queens, Bronx, Manhattan. You had everybody. Who's was who? at that game and that was you know so that game was you know a game for me which you know that was my coming out party or you know I guess that I'm here you know you hear you hear you know you hear uh, you hear stuff you see stuff in the paper but a lot of people probably would still question you know how how Kareem getting this done or whatever or stuff like that so you know that game was very very monumental in my in my career you know and I even seen Cam in the stands, like um, and I, and I know Cam hoop back then. Um, mm-hmm. like did 
Did you ever hoop against him? And, and if you did, yes. like, what type of player was he? Oh, Cam's a, Cam's a great basketball player. Cam could have been, you know, a, a Division One athlete and, and probably been getting paid for this. Probably had could have had a 14, 15-year career like, you know, some of these basketball players and myself had, you know. That's how good Cam was, you know. I guess that, uh, I guess that was, the, you know, once again, a different role, you know. I guess he already had... Might have been a year older. Yeah, he might have been a year older already. Or, you know, the streets or whatever. You know, Cam let Cam tell. You know, Cam tells his own story. But Cam, I guess the streets. You know, you know, at that time for a 17, 18 year old kid, you know, sometimes the tunnel don't look you know as as bright. Look at him now. You know, a multi million dollar rapper, entertainer. You know, doing everything. You know, so it's it's different paths or whatever. But I guess at that time, Cam wasn't very interested in basketball no more. I guess he went to school and didn't have some success and he was back home, but he was at that game. You know, the class of 94 was like one of the greatest, you know, classes of, um, it was one of the greatest high school classes of all time. It was yourself, Felipe, um, I think Iverson was there, Ray Allen, like mm -hmm. nationally speaking, like who is like your toughest comp during this time? I mean, I didn't get the only, you know, I was kind of, you know, the only person I did play against was Allen Robinson. I joined through his, uh, his legal troubles at that time or whatever. And I was, he was a more Nike guy and I was more of a Dita guy. You know, shout out to Sonny Figaro. You know, I was a Dita guy and stuff like that. So I never really got to play against AI, you know, but he was in my class and everybody, you know, talked about him and stuff like that. But I, you know, I had, I had Wojo, uh, Steve Wojo. He was the guy, you know. Hope wishing well. He was just a he just got fired as the Marquette coach. You know, I had a uh, Lamar Greer out of uh, New York. You know, of course Felipe had a uh, Willie Mitchell out of uh, out of Michigan. God bless the dead. Jack uh, the Trailer was there. I guess we had Ralph LaFrance. We had a Donald for you. Man, we had, you know, that kind of, we had so Charlie, you know, Charlie, we had Trajan Landon, respect to Trajan Landon. So we had so many guys in that class, man, that every Neil Reed, we had so many guys that I can mention that, and once again, that didn't even make that, you know, that even make one of them top teams, you know? So it, that class was kind of, that class was very hard, you know, but you, then a couple of years, you see the, them couple of years when it says since 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, you know, that you can really say, you know, but then after us with Stefan and Sham, you know, so, and Mike Bibby and all of them, Devin Garnett. So it's, it's, it's a debate with these classes, man. It's just, you know, when you say, once you said them golden ages of basketball, you know, not just in New York City, in the, in the country. If you look at those four classes right there. Like, do you think that New York basketball can ever get back to that? time and place yes i think it can but i guess some basketball minds got to come in and some guys that 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 help create it or you know i'm not saying create it because you know the guys are you know some of the guys are no longer there you know you know in the in the in the in the, in the situation in the position where you know god bless the dead Lloyd was there you know with being helped with tuition and sponsorship Lou the made it from the gauchos you know and stuff like that you don't have those guys you know rest in peace you know mr Garfick and to, to Tom Kachowski, you know, so things like that, man, we don't have those those guys there no more. Where New York 
that the guys that fought for New York, that war with New York on their chest. You know, I guess we got to get some guys back in there. You know, I guess that's where we. That's the first stop. I guess the kids are there. You know, but I guess. You know, I'm hearing a lot of that. You know, we have to, you know, let the parents, let the coaches be coaches and parents that be parents and stuff like that. I guess, you know, getting some people in those in New York City that that went through the struggle, you know, and not saying the struggle, just more of the the way, the process. It's about trusting the process and respecting it. You don't, you know, superstars are not born overnight. You know, like after your high school years, um, you eventually went to Arkansas, but um, what made you choose Arkansas over other schools that were kind of pursuing you? I guess just the, the, the uh, you know, and, and, and what the advice that I give any kid today, and, you know, we've been, you, you look at New York City guards and kids all over the world, not saying New York guards, pick the school that's for you. And I picked the school that was for me. I guess playing style, coaching style, you know, things like that you have to look at. You know, everybody can't put on this kind of jersey. Everybody can't play in the Big East. Everybody can't, you know, you pick your school according to your game, I guess I want to say, you know. Some, you know, the, the game, the name, and all that looks great. But my thing is get, go get a free education and try to further your basketball career or your, your dream. And sometimes going to the right school can help you. It's an easier process to do it. They're picking one of these big schools and you can't you can't do nothing there. Or you're not, you know, look at, you know, big shot of Javon Quigley, you know, in Alabama, you know, he had to go somewhere else to get it right. You know, Villanova wasn't his Villanova wasn't his 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 niche, you know. We had Isaiah Washington transfer, we had Sid transfer, you know, so those guys all transferred because not picking the right school for them. And I, and I wish them well this time around. And I'm still, a lot of them are doing well. So, like, in your first year at Arizona, you, like, you helped lead, Arkansas, lead the team. Arkansas, Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas. yeah, Arkansas, Arkansas. <laughs> no, no, I got Arizona on my mind. You said everybody like does they, that, but it's funny. But everybody so said I'm that, like, you know, they think, they think we in Arizona. When I say Arkansas, they don't know where <laughs> we located at. Like, where is it? Where? where? Yeah, uh-huh. It's by Arizona. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, like, so yeah. So, like, your first year there, you led them to the Sweet 16. Like, looking back on that year, can you talk about like how special that year was for you? Oh, it was real team, special as a player. Yeah, it was, it was real. It was real special. You know, uh, sitting out the year before, you know, I was a prop 48, sitting out that year before and watching them and, and biting my, you know, biting my knuckles, frustrated that I couldn't play and help that team. That team went back to the national, that team went back to the national championship game that year. And, you know, in the interviews and in the press conferences and, you know, in practice, coach, you know, I'll be like, man, I wish I had Kareem, you know, and stuff like that. And hearing that would make me stop going to practice games because, you know, I wasn't able to play. So coming in my freshman year, you know, another grudge on my shoulder. Like I wanted to show that, you know, the world were waiting for me to play and I want to play. So, you know, me and a couple of freshmen and, you know, and the two seniors and, and a junior uh, felt like we wanted to prove, we had something to prove too. And I guess we, you know, that, that, that year was, you know, we was under the radar. We was a new team. 
you know, a whole new team losing four NBA guys and uh, making it back to the Sweet 16, you know, as a 12 seed, you know, and then not not in a million years thinking we were a 12 seed. You know, I was talking to one of my ex-teammates and it was reminding me we was a 12 seed that year. I thought we was higher. <laughs> so it was like, we was the we was the upset, you know, when they talk about upsets or whatever. We upset it, I guess, a good Marquette team and a, a good Penn State team. So like um like off the court, what were like some of your best memories in college? I mean, just the college atmosphere, getting to enjoy college as a, as a division one athlete, and and especially in Arkansas, we, we don't have no NBA teams, we don't have no we don't have no pro teams, so Arkansas University is everything. So I got to experience that. You know, I was the hottest ticket again in 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 in, in, the, in the world. You know, once again, you know. Nobody else, you know, everybody come to see us playing in front of 20,000 every night, you know, and hearing them hog call or hearing them cheer and a kid from New York getting, you know, a, a chance to live his dream out, dream out. All right. So, like, after your college career was over, you eventually, you know, declared yourself eligible for the draft. Like, what were, like, your pre-draft workout like? Like, and who did you go up against? I mean, it was tough. I mean, at that time, it was, uh, you know, they had camps and stuff like that. So I was the, I got sportsmanship in, in, in Portsmouth. That's which it was the first, that was the first NBA combine right after the season. Uh, I didn't go, I didn't get invited to Phoenix. Uh, and then Chicago, I didn't, I didn't even get invited to Chicago at that time. It was only, you know, the guys that was going to get drafted. Chicago wasn't as big or the NBA draft process wasn't as it is now. So once again, we're talking 20 something years ago. So it was, it was totally different. You know, all my, all my stuff was done, you know, more of single-handedly. So we didn't get to go up, I didn't get to go up against anybody or whatever, stuff like that besides Portsmouth. But I felt real comfortable about me getting drafted in the second round or, or me signing as a, a free agent that summer. It didn't work out. Uh, I wound up having some contact and, and stuff with the Indiana Pacers, and but they already had three guards already. They had you know great three great guards. They had uh, Mark Jackson, Travis Best, and big shout out to my guy Jalen Rose. He was playing the point guard at that time also. So at that time, there was no room for me in Indiana. So I wound up going overseas to Turkey my first year. You know, I read somewhere that during one of your um, tryouts, I think with the Hornets, that Baron Davis, like he actually vouched for you to make the team. Yeah, that was my second. That was my second time around. That was after I guess I went, uh, I went and played with the Harlem Globetrotters and the IBL and went to certain different countries. I got a second chance to go to training camp to with New Orleans and play eleven preseason games, which. I played real well, thought I should have made the team. A lot of people thought, especially like you said, when everybody read about that Baron Davis thing, you know, me going against Baron Davis and Darryl Armstrong and, you know, guys like that, Stacey Augman every day, you know, guys that had luxurious NBA careers and, and holding my own. And I guess that at that time, you know, I felt real, you know, close. I was close. You know, I was the last cut of the New Orleans Hornets that year or whatever. I was, you know, five minutes from the deadline of making that team. 
And I guess that was the closest, you know, I felt the comfortable my game was, you know, I did everything right that time. So I felt that I was so close of, of making that team. And I guess, you know, if you read that article and, you know, Baron just mentioned it the other day, I should have made that team. But once again, that's, you know, the politics of the game and things like that. So, you know, but I, you know, no hard feelings. I got to live a life, got to do something I wanted to do and uh, provide for my family. And now it led me into coaching and hopefully getting into, uh, you know, NBA or NCAA college coaching job. So, you know, it's been good. This basketball has been good to me. You know, was, um, was Jamal Mashburn on the Hornets back then when you tried out? Or yeah. Was he uh-huh. He was, he was there. Yep. He was there. What was it like, like, like playing with him since he's from New York too. Well, it was it was good, you know. Once they once you know that's yes that's anybody. If you knowing somebody like I said from your same neighborhood or, or from from the your same city or state, you 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 already think you have that that connection with him, you know. But you know at that time, Mashburn was Mashburn, you know. So it was seeing him as a pro, you know, was 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 crazy, you know. You see, and you know, this is Mashburn, somebody from the Polar Ground, somebody that went to Cardinal Hayes, and he's making 60 million. This is before all these big contracts. He was one of the big contract guys. And just getting to spend some time and pick anybody, you know, being in that setting, the NBA setting, getting to pick these guys' brains. I guess I came back with a vanish because I was there. You know, I think if they had the G League, how it was constructed today, back then. I think we might have seen you on the roster sooner rather than later. Sooner, yeah, and later. You know, that's what, you know, they had it, but it wasn't like that. You know, I went down after that year. When you say that, I went down and led the D-lead in assists. I won a D-lead championship that same year. But the luck of the draw, nobody got hurt from New Orleans that year. And that was a team that, I guess, semi-had my rights or got to see, you know, the other teams didn't really get to see me play. Because, once again, you know, I didn't get to play before preseason. It was just me knowing somebody, you know, big shots to Alan Bristol. He was the GM that time. And I had played for him four years before that previous in the IBL. So I didn't go to no pre, I didn't go to no summer league or nothing. I was already 28 years old, maybe. And he, my agent knew him and he called my agent like, oh, you know, what's Kareem doing? He's like, maybe Kareem's gonna go overseas. And he's like, I want to invite Kareem to training camp. I think he has a chance of making his team. So, like I said, no other team seen me that summer or whatever. I just went right into New Orleans camp. So, when I got released from New Orleans, you know, usually when you get released from a team, another team might pick you up or might bring you up, bring you in. But nobody got to see me. They were, you know, I guess it was a big question. Like, dog, he didn't play summer league, no nothing. Like, you know, I knew they knew my name and I had put enough work, but it was just more, they didn't, they didn't get enough film on me or whatever because nobody knew where I was at. All right, so like you're most famous for playing at the Rucker. Like, do you like remember the first time you have, that you played at the Rucker? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Me and Stefan played on the same day, you know. And two high school guys, you know. Big shout out to Mousy. Mousy been like a father figure to me. He brought me out in high school. You know, that summer I had a great summer, like I said. And he's like, man, I was watching Fifty Fifth. He's like, man, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah, man. So that that he right before the season started, he started. Uh, he was like, yo, I'm gonna put you on the team. And I'm like, all right. So I got to experience that. You know, that was great. You know, hearing that, and you know, I didn't get a name. You know, until maybe the fifth game of the season. 
you know, that was what people wanted to do. They come to 55th and get a name or whatever. So I had, I didn't become the best kept secret until like the fifth or sixth game of the, of the season, you know, getting out there and watching, you know, these, some of these guys that I looked up to or seen play, you know, the Malloy Naismiths, the, you know, the David Keynes, you know, rest in peace to Dave Edwards, you know, these guys that I sat on the gate on the fences and watched play. Now I'm getting a chance to come and you know, I guess the first two games, I was shocked was one of the high school kids playing. You know, at that time, a lot of high school kids didn't play in a, a rougher fall. You know, so just getting out there and, you know, just finding my niche, finding my niche. And by the sixth game, the announcer was like, I got a name for this kid. This kid is the best kept secret. And it was history after that. Man, I have to ask you this. Um, I was watching Soul in the Hole the other day. Like, did you ever play against Booger? Yes, I did, man. That's, when you say one of the toughest opponents, that was one of my toughest opponents. Besides, you know, I mean, a lot. you have a lot, but he was, at that time, he was one of the best guys, you know, to this day, one of the best guys, you know. He was up there when you mentioned the best guys in New York. Booger Smith is up there. Big, uh... Shout out to him. His birthday was the other day, you know, but yes, Booger was so in the hole anywhere. Booger still plays like that today. Like the passes and everything that you see Booger doing, all these guys that use in the NBA, Booger was doing that at 14, 15. That I, when I seen him, he probably was doing it younger than that. But when I got a chance to see him, he his moves were advanced. 